Welcome back to episode number 32 of the NP Dude. This is Jeff the NP Dude giving nurse practitioners a voice. That is all of our voices. So keep those questions, comments, and concerns rolling into me. I'm still getting a handful of them. And there was a big lull the last couple days. I don't know if it was the blizzard or everybody was just, you know, doing other stuff or something. But there's kind of a flat line on the daily downloads for a little bit. And that's okay because, uh, you know, the growth can't happen all the time. That's unhealthy if it's always growing. So a uh, little bit of a flat line. And, uh, but keep sharing, guys. I'm still getting some uh, good comments and good questions coming in. I had one person send me a personal message and um, I just got it because I just left the office and I haven't had a chance to really look at it, but um, it was somebody out of New York City. I'm not going to use names yet because I didn't get uh, authorization to say anything, but it was kind of doing something similar to what I'm doing, but they're doing it for nurse practitioner students. That's awesome. I love the collaborative idea. She reached out to me and said, hey, I just uh, liked you on iTunes and I guess you guys can do that too. So if you see, if you're listening on iTunes and you think I'm worth a crap, Give me a rating on there and see if you think I'm a piece of crap. Do that too. I don't care. I'm doing this for us and uh, you know if, if uh, and for me too. So if somebody thinks it's valuable, great. Let them know what you think. If you think it's a turd, I still haven't heard anybody say Jeff, you suck. I'm still waiting. Somebody go on my main page and say Jeff, you suck. All caps. I just want to see if somebody's listening. Um, but I'm still not seeing that. So maybe you guys are just nurses and too nice. I don't know. But uh, if it was me and somebody said, tell me, I tell me, I suck. I'd, I'd be probably the first one in line saying, yeah, you kind of suck. <laughs> But that's just me. So anyways, I like to have fun. I'm just joking around. But uh, if you do find value in this, then spread the word, man. Get get uh, get the word out there. Share it on the Facebook page. Share my individual shows. Tell your friends to visit my website. You guys can leave comments on the website. It's thenpdude.com. I know it's the. I know I say it weird because I'm from Ohio, and that's how we say it here. Um but don't hesitate. Spread that word. If you're if you're embarrassed and you don't know what to put down in a comment, but you got a question, email me Jeff at the npdude.com. Don't don't hesitate. There's no no wrong questions. There's there's the only bad question was the one that was never asked. So if there's something that's going on and you're like, man, I don't know what to do with this. I may not have the answer, but I you know I got a mouthpiece and I've got a decent number of people out there listening that uh, you know are, are sending me feedback. So if there's something I don't know, I'll bring the question to the forefront and we'll get it answered. And if we don't know, we'll bring it to the Facebook groups and then you'll have five thousand you know opinions there. But but we can weed through that and that could be helpful too. So um, bring those comments and questions. That's the point. And, and uh, I'm just having a blast. You guys are so fun. And, and I, I just was really excited to see this collaborative type you know, message saying, hey, you know, I'm doing this for nurse practitioner students. And you know, it's more entrepreneurial, kind of like what you're doing. And, and you know, I see some future there. And, and, uh, I, and I truly mean it that there's plenty of room and plenty of space for people to do what I'm doing. They, you know, different personalities will, will flock to different people. And there could be 100 people with a microphone doing exactly what I'm doing that will have a different there'll be a hundred different followers there's there's you know 220,000 nurse practitioners in the United States so you know the, I'm just telling you if you had a thousand people listening on a regular basis that's a lot of people spreading information and getting information out there so um, keep spreading the word out there I want to have right now we're sitting at around 477 likes on Facebook I want to hit 500 today's Wednesday end of the day Wednesday. I want to hit 500 by the end of this weekend. So spread the word, guys. There's no reason we can't do it. And then you know what? I want to hit 1,000. And we'll see where this goes. We'll see if we can spread it out there. And if I suck, someone tell me. I want to hear it. I'm not hearing that yet. So people must be listening and liking it because that seems to be the feedback I'm getting. 
Um, today, what are we going to talk about? What do you guys want to talk about? Tell me what you guys want to talk about. Um, today, I had a question that came in. It was an email, and it was a real general, generic email, and it was, and it was um, a question that asked about what it's like to be deposed. Like, ooh, ooh, what a nasty subject that would be, right? You got that certified letter that we talked about the other day. If you haven't listened to that one, go listen to that certified letter. Um, uh, and it's the one with the certified, certified, certified picture. Uh, I think three or four days ago. I don't know, a couple days ago. Go listen to that one. And you'll see where I say, don't worry about it. Well, this is the case where maybe you need to worry about it. You open up the certified letter and it says, subpoena. Oh, shit. What do you do? So the big question there is, what is it? What's a subpoena? What's a, what is depositions? How, what is it? Well, what's the whole big deal with all of this? Why is it a problem? Well, <clears throat> it depends. It may be nothing. It may be a big deal. So you have to ask yourself, who is the person subpoenaing, you know, sending you the subpoena? And what's the intent, the scope of, and kind of like scope of practice, what's the scope of the subpoena supposed to be for? So usually the way a subpoena is written, a subpoena is just a, a, um, an order from the court that says you need to appear to do something. And that's it. It's just you got to show up and talk to somebody. And it could be nothing. It could be something big deal. But in there, it's usually generic language, and it says something like, you must bring all records and knowledge, edu- you know, information, um, you know, whatever, a whole bunch of stuff. And it says all this stuff, and you're supposed to take it with you when you get subpoenaed. And just follow the rule of that. Now, if you get a subpoena in the mail, you're going to call your lawyer right away. Now, if you think that you might be a defendant in a case... In other words, it was your patient, and you're being subpoenaed by your patient's heirs, <laughs> their, their, their kids or grandkids, and you had an inkling that maybe grandma didn't do so good because of something I gave her or a treatment I missed, and now I'm getting the subpoena in the mail. You should be calling your malpractice right now. That's, a, that's an immediate. I don't care if it's a Saturday or a Sunday. You're calling 1-800, you know pro-liability or, you know, whoever you got, and you're going to get your, and I don't know if that's the number, I'm being sarcastic, but you're going to call that, that number right away, and you're going to say, hey, I've got a policy, here's my policy number, here's who I am, I just had somebody subpoena me, and I need to get you on notice, what do you what do you want me to do, and um, what they typically will do is let you hire your own attorney, and they'll, they'll give you a slice of money for that. So you're going to get your attorney, and your attorney's going to take a look at it and, and guide you in what you need to do and what you should and shouldn't bring that's within the scope of that subpoena. Okay, so if you're bringing all your records, you might violate HIPAA, so you gotta be really careful. So you wanna to talk to the lawyer and make sure that you're you're doing it right. This is the instance where I wouldn't say, go to the cheapest guy that you can find at the bottom of the phone book. This is the, the person that you're gonna to wanna to find a, a three or $400, $500 an hour guy that does healthcare uh, representation and medical malpractice. From, from the defendant's side, not the plaintiff's side, from the defendant's side, because everybody in their brother will do plaintiff's side. I mean, for the right case, I'm not going to lie, if, some, if it fell in my lap, I could give up all my licenses except my law license and retire if the right case fell in my lap. And, and I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm being sarcastic, but maybe not. I don't know. Depends. Depends on the case. Uh, but but you're going to want to hire the big guns for that one, and they're going to they're going to be expensive, and you're going to drop a couple thousand bucks, and that's okay because you're going to get your you're going to protect your backside for that one. So you get this subpoena. It says you got to show up, and you're going to get deposed, and you're going to get you know deposition. What's a deposition, right? A deposition is an out of court statement document that's created by a court reporter. And it's questions and answers from the defend or from one side to the other in the case. 
So it's not an affidavit. An affidavit is just me saying, making a statement and then it getting notarized and I submit it to the court as just a document of an out-of-court statement. This is almost as though you're sitting on the witness stand giving testimony during a trial, but it's done outside of the trial because they don't have time to, to do it at the trial. It would just take too long. So they say, okay, go get the depositions. I'll figure it out. And when they occur is at the beginning of the case during what's called discovery. Discovery is, um, and here's the typical process for a lawsuit. Somebody says, you know what? You did me wrong. You served me a harm or you did me a harm and you owe me X dollars for my damage. And you have to prove the damage, all that stuff. But you're just making a claim. That's why it's called a claim. I'm just making a claim. There's no necessarily proof to that yet. And then within 28 to 30 days, depending on if it's state or federal, and some states are probably 30, and it just depends on where you are, uh, the other side has to answer that claim, or they basically are admitting that everything that was in that claim is true, and you can get a judgment against them. So it's very important not to hide from a lawsuit, because if you ignore it, then you could get a judgment against you because you didn't answer it, even though you were in the right. You could still be you know, charged for that. You could still have to pay for it, the damages. So you want to answer. You always want to, you get a notice of a, of a suit, you call your malpractice, you call your attorney, and that should be done within the first five minutes of getting that envelope, period. That's my, my recommendation. Now, once you get your, once you get your, um, your depositions, oh, so I'm sorry, I was driving and get confused easy. Hey, look, a bird. Um, sorry. So you answer the complaint, right? So once you answer the complaint, you usually deny everything, just as a matter of course, because you don't know the facts in the case yet. So the, the other side, your side, is going to say, yeah, we didn't do that. And even if we did do that, you would countersue, or you would say, um, nah, that's not true, we didn't do any of that. And even if it was true, the law says this, and it doesn't matter. Okay, so you can get, you know, that, that's typically how, how an answer happens. But then you could counterclaim, like, oh, you defamatorily, you know, made out-of-court, you know, uh, statements to third parties, and you defamed me by filing a lawsuit, and you, you're now, you know, asking for damages against that person. you got to be careful that you don't get in trouble by doing frivolous, you know, counterclaims. But you can do that, because they told the court, a third party, that you did something wrong, and now you can sue them, you know, counterclaim uh, defamation. So that's a nice, neat little trick up your sleeve to scare somebody if they're just doing a frivolous claim that you um, you might get them to shut up and go away quickly as a defense. Is to counter sue for that. So that that's kind of what the process is. Well, what do you do after you answer? Well, then you got to start figuring out what's true. What were the facts that happened here? And one of the ways to do that is a deposition. And so the deposition is basically you go and you meet, and you'll have um, the plaintiff's attorney. You'll have um, sometimes the plaintiff will be there, but usually not. Usually it's just the plaintiff's attorney. You'll have your attorney there. You always have your attorney with you, and you um, you'll have a court reporter there and. Um, that's that's pretty much all that's required. You may have a couple lawyers lawyers on the other side there too, and um, basically they're going to ask you a crap ton of questions, and it's going to be a lot of stuff that depends upon what the case is. So if your case was something like, hey, uh, Mrs. Jones was coming into the to our office, um, our family practice, slipped out in the parking lot, fell and broke her hip, and they're they're getting you as a witness to that, well. There's different kinds of witnesses, and this is a good point to break off from the deposition discussion and go into what witnesses are, because it matters. 
there's different types. The first type is just an eyewitness. And this is, you know, you see the guy with the ski mask run down the street, and you can say he's six foot two, and he was skinny, and he had a, you know, a, a, a red hat on his face or something, whatever. And so you're a witness to that. And that's all you're telling him is just the facts of things that you saw. Things that you perceived could be smells, could be sounds, could be whatever, right? I, I always think of um, witnesses in um, what was that movie? Cousin Vinny, right? My cousin Vinny, and they they have all these witnesses up there, and he's like, uh, "Did you see this window? What's on that dirt?" Okay, well, and you said you could see through the dirt. Okay, well, that's an eyewitness. That's just what did you see? Well. <clears throat> The other type of witness is his girlfriend, right? His fiance. If you haven't seen that movie, go watch that movie because we actually watched some of it in law school in expert evidence class because it was really accurate to real life. It was like one of the few movies that was funny, but actually they did they did voir dire of her like really well, and it was it was funny, but it was you know appropriate. And uh, so we we watched that in that one class, that, that whole section. And his girlfriend, fiance, was a mechanic, right? Well, she was a hairdresser. I'm an out-of-work hairdresser. Remember that? Okay. Well, she was, she, you know, everybody in her family was um, was a witness or was a uh, mechanic. And so they're asking, well, how does that make you an expert? And she's like, it doesn't. But it does because it doesn't matter what your credentials are if you have expert training, skill, and knowledge to be a witness, an expert witness. Now, there's a whole other section of rules. Rule 702 is the federal rules, and every state has their own version of it, that will allow expert testimony in a court. But they do it kind of behind closed doors, and they evaluate whether the expert testimony is relevant. And then if it's relevant, then they evaluate the quality of it. Is it, you know, is it, is it uh, inflammatory, or is it, it, does it actually help decide the case in some way? And so those are in-camera proceedings. That's what those are called, the behind closed doors. And there's a whole process for those. And, and uh, not to get too geeked out on it, because I, I did my thesis, you know, the equivalent of my, my, my doctorate thesis in that class, and it was kind of fun to do. But that's not, I don't, I don't want to do that here. Um, the reason it's important to know about expert witnesses is because sometimes lawyers will, will subpoena you for um, testimony as a witness, but they don't really tell you what the scope of your witness, what you're doing there. So if you're doing a malpractice case and you happen to work in that practice, and they're asking you, you know, what do you think about the standard of care and all those? That's like expert witness type stuff. And they need to pay for that. <laughs> that's not what your scope is. You're not an eyewitness now. You're an expert witness. And that's not really what that's intended. That's a whole separate set of evidentiary hearings that need to happen for expert testimony. So if you have a good attorney on your side, they're going to limit the scope to eyewitness stuff. Because if you are potentially going to be sued and you're going to potentially be named as a defendant, you have every right to say, you know what, I'm not incriminating myself against you, and I have no, I, in the United States judicial system, I do not have to testify against myself, and so I am not going to um, provide any more information to you about this because I'm afraid that you're going to list me as a defendant, and I'm not giving you the ammunition to make it an easy slam dunk case. That's not what that's for. So you have to be really careful with knowing what the scope of what what you're being deposed for. So, and, and I'm not trying to beat up on that too much, but it happens all the time. And a lot of attorneys that are um, plaintiffs' attorneys that are doing med mal, they're working on a contingency basis. So they're they're you know going to get their third, and I think I've talked about that in the past. And they're working out of pocket, so a lot of times they don't have the money uh, to hire expert witnesses. So a lot of times what they'll do is they'll subpoena. Um, one of the nurse practitioners or physicians in the practice, 
in hopes that they don't contact their attorney and then use them as an expert witness that's free right it's just kind of a scam to try to to get to get uh, information about the standard of care now if you have a good attorney that you're paying top dollar for they're going to say uh uh-uh, you're not doing that we're not we're not an expert witness we're going to object to that line of questioning then we're not going to answer those questions because this is not an he's here as an expert wit or not as an expert witness he's here as an eyewitness and that is not relevant to the issue at hand because they're trying to drum you drum up information so they could possibly name you as a as a potential um, defendant and it happens all the time. And it's just a cheap, easy way for a, a plaintiff's attorney to try to screw over one of the practitioners into giving up some information. The standard of care or uh, what would normally happen and did you deviate from that and all that stuff. Those are expert witness questions, not eyewitness accounts. So you have to be careful what you're being deposed for. Um, the other thing about depositions, and then I'll, I'm going to wrap it up, because uh, there's, there's a lot I could talk about on this, but I, I don't think it's to get into it too much, because you're going to call a lawyer anyways. But when you go to get deposed, you really want to make sure that you practice not answering the questions by rambling on. You give the absolute shortest answer you can, as possible, I mean, to, to a point that it feels awkwardly short. And it should feel that way. And if you're doing that, you're doing it right. Because if you are sitting there, if you talk like me and ramble on like I do all the time, I mean, you guys, if you've listened to enough of my shows, you'll listen and say, you know, I don't think he really meant that. And I know if I've heard him say it different in another way and it really didn't come out right. Well, that happens all the time. So your brain is saying, oh, I said that perfect, but your mouth is saying it different. And sometimes you just don't realize it. So you could p- potentially be giving him ammunition and go back and read the transcripts from the deposition later and be like, I didn't mean that. That's not at all what I meant. I, I shouldn't have said that. Damn, I'm screwed now, right? So the best advice on that is don't say anything more than you absolutely have have to yes or no questions are great at a deposition because you can just kind of you know yes no and then and then if they say uh what do you think about this you know hypothetical question and it's like way out there bizarre and there's no good answer you say well it depends and they'll say it depends on what and say it depends on the facts in the case see how awkward it you know you spin it back on them and then they get pissed off at you and keep trying to get you in a corner and that's when your attorneys you know jump in and say all right you're just being you know abusive and blah 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 and they they, they make them look stupid on the deposition because that goes to the judge so limit your answers that's the key limit your answers limit your answers limit your answers now another thing that i've learned um and i've been an expert witness on a couple of engineering cases but i haven't done it in the medical healthcare, nursing world but i've done it in engineering and uh one of the things that i've when i've met with attorneys uh defense attorneys actually and a plaintiff's attorney I've, i've done both sides of it um one of the things that I will recommend to to you, if you are ever brought to your attorney and you're possibly um, going to be giving some kind of expert testimony, so say you are being hired to do expert testimony, and and I do it for everybody. Just this is this is a good rule of thumb. Don't take a legal pad or a piece of paper and a pen with you. If you do, keep it in your bag. Don't get it out because when you're talking to the lawyer, you're talking. None of it's recorded. So none of it's discoverable. Remember, we talked about spoliation of evidence. We don't want to do that. We don't want to get down that road. So if there's some documentation and you are deemed later to be an expert in the field by the court, then your notes may be discoverable. 
So my rule of thumb is if you're meeting with a lawyer and you're just talking over your case or someone else's case, the notepad stays in the bag and you tell them, tell the lawyer, hey, I recognize that this might be discoverable, so I'm keeping it in there. I'm not going to take notes. If you want me to take notes, then I will. But I just want you to know that I I'm under I understand that this could be discoverable and I'm, I'm I appreciate that you know from that perspective, and the lawyer will love you love you love you and you might get opportunities to be an expert witness for them again because they're going to be like man this person gets it, okay? So there's a little advice on that just and it's and it's just a nice way of saying to the lawyer I understand what you're doing I understand the privilege, um, you know maybe this isn't my first rodeo and and I. Um, you know, maybe you can drum up some side business that's making you know a couple hundred bucks an hour doing expert testimony or expert review of documents for, for the uh, for the attorneys. Now that that kind of leads into a separate one. So the deposition stuff, I think I beat up on enough. If you guys have more questions on that, or you know, Jeff, you're rambling too much and I can't understand you because you're swerving in and out of you know trees and and windy roads and the back roads. Uh, let me know. Email me. Leave me a comment on Facebook. Say, "Man, I don't get what you're talking about." Now, try to clarify, but give me some guidance on what you what you don't understand, and I'll be happy to fix it. Okay. Now, if you ever want to be an expert uh, witness, you could be an expert witness. Okay. Here's the rule under Rule 702 for federal, and again, it's the same thing for all the states. They have similar similar rules that are just slightly different, but pretty much the same. They basically will um, <clears throat> look at your expert training, knowledge, and skill. Those are the three main things, but they can look at other things too, right? So certifications, that's just proof of education, proof of training, proof of skill. But that doesn't necessarily require it. So what's the, what's the standard as a nurse or nurse practitioner to be an expert witness? Do you need to be a legal nurse consultant? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Now, what I do like about those programs that you can get the legal nurse consulting programs is that you can learn how the legal system works. So if you're not familiar with it, it might be very beneficial to do that. Do I think I would do it? No, I wouldn't because I don't need that. I'm good. I got it. I know what they do. I know what to expect. But if you wanted to get into that, it might be worth that because you just don't know what the process is. Now, if you have a good lawyer, they'll walk you through it and they'll say, here, I just want you to review this and tell me if, if uh, the... Uh, this person was harmed by you know this person's fault, and and that might be all they want. They just want to report to see if maybe it's worth going you know going to trial or or uh, whether they're going to use that as uh, leverage for negotiating uh, uh, some kind of a, um, uh, a deal with the with the other party. And I don't want to say plea bargain because that's in criminal. It's not a plea bargain, but it would be a settlement offer. So with when it comes to being a, a a consultant in that field, the legal nurse consultant thing to me, it's um, there's some hype around it because they hype you, you know, this huge hourly rate, and you're going to be rich, and you're going to travel, and all these great things. And my experience has been as an expert witness, uh, when you're doing it, it's fine. You can crank in a lot of dough, but there's usually a lot of gaps in between, so it's not full time. And and if you are full time doing it, the problem with you is that you're not practicing, so you're losing your skills. So your credibility as a practitioner or as a nurse or whatever it is that you're being an expert witness in goes down. So if you're doing it you know, 80% of your time and seeing patients 20% of the time, I, at me as an attorney, I would shred that. I'd say, well, how, what do you really know? You've, you, haven't, you, you work you know, 15, 10 hours a week if you're lucky. 
how do you how do you consider yourself an expert in this field if you you know don't do it on a regular routine basis so my opinion is legal nurse consultants that that do that if they do it as the majority of their time uh, they lose some credibility and they're easy targets for the other side's attorney so that's that's why I think you know I'm not bashing the you know I don't even know what their programs all include but I'm assuming that they teach you about what you know how the law system legal system works and and all that good stuff but you know, if you want to do it, I say go for it. I'm a free market guy. If you think it's helpful to you and you want to spend the money to go do it, go do it. Sounds like fun, right? Um, I would do it. I would do it. We're not the schooling, but I would be an expert witness. So if anybody needs an expert witness, give me a call, man. I'll, I'll do some side work and review charts and uh, I'll even go testify. I don't care. Uh, so that's, that's out there too. But it's not my main source of income and I'd be doing it as just kind of a thing, you know, like a couple times a year if that. Just because it can't be your thing. If that's your thing, you're going to get crushed by the other side. That's my opinion. Now, we've talked about opinions in the past. So somebody is going to be a nurse consultant, legal nurse consultant, is going to be like, damn it, man, you're full of crap. I, I, I don't get, you know, I'm good at this. And, and you probably are. So I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, as an attorney, I would shred the shit out of that. And, and uh, the, the hard thing is, is that it becomes a battle of the expert witnesses. So if I have a witness that is not a full-time legal nurse consultant and I've got a practicing, you know, I say it was a case where some, you know, an instrument was left inside of a, a person and I've got a registered first assist that counts the stuff and tells the process that's done that should be done and the standards that are that are to be met and the policies and protocols that have to be met, I would trust that person over a legal nurse consultant any day of the week. Even if the one was, you know, a LPN and one was a, a, a uh, DNP as a legal nurse consultant. I would take the one that does that every day of the week because it's more appropriate. They know more about it. So that's kind of where I was going with the, the legal nurse thing. And, and I didn't even talk about that. It just kind of happened, right? So it, it, um, I'm not bashing on it. I, just, I think it's a good profession. I just think that you got to be careful. And you, it's not as good of a moneymaker as everybody makes it sound. You make great hourly, but you got a lot of gaps between. So, you know, unless you're you're really good at marketing yourself and you're working 70 hours a week because you're working a full-time job and doing that, which is possible. Um, it's really hard to stay credible. That's that's the biggest problem with that. So if you guys have comments or questions and you want to say I'm full of crap, I want to hear it. If, you, if you're a legal nurse consultant and you think I'm full of crap, I want to hear it. And I want to hear how you stay credible. How do you stay up on whatever it is that you do so that... Um, the attorneys don't shred you, or are they just not smart enough to know? I don't know. Maybe maybe I would be the only one to know. I don't know. I'm not that smart, so I can't imagine I'm the only one thinking about this. So email me, jeff at the mpdude.com. You can always get me on Facebook. Um, get me on iTunes. If you're liking, liking what you hear on iTunes, don't forget, I think there's a rating system, so I don't have iTunes, so I don't know if I can even check that to see what the rating is. So maybe I'm a one-star rating. I don't know. But check it out and see if you guys like what you hear on iTunes, rate me so that um, other people that are looking for podcasts, I think the more rates you get, the higher you go on the list. And the higher you go on the list um, within the healthcare area, um, more people can find me. So that, that might be a way that people just searching through iTunes can find me too. So like me on iTunes too. So uh, like me on Facebook, share me as much as you can. And if you guys have anything, I want to hear about it. I want to know your issues. So don't forget to... to uh, get in touch with me. I really mean it. Really, really. So I appreciate you guys listening and we'll talk soon.